You are listening to a Nerd Room podcast production. We the Nerd. Bunch of nerds. Hey everyone and welcome to Nerd Room. We talk all these stars, Marvel, DC, and... Beyond. This episode number 349, we're discussing DC Studios and Chapter 1 of the DCU. I'm one of your hosts, Tim. And I'm Carlos. Carlos, what a day it has been. Monumental day. DC has drawn a line in the sand and announced Chapter 1 of its new interconnected cinematic universe. You gotta be on cloud nine here, brother. I am on cloud nine, man. This is like the banner week for Carlos. I think I said this to our guy, Chris Evans. It's like the universe was like, we've kicked the crap out of Carlos long enough with uh, his <laughs> fandom. So we'll give you a fire casting for Michael Jackson, the biopic. And then we'll drop a whole bunch of heat and a whole bunch of gods and some monsters thrown in there from uh, the fellows at DC Studios. So I'm excited to get into this. It was a busy day at work, so I didn't really get to jump into the tweet streets with anybody and so yeah this is my first real opportunity um to actually dive in and gush or criticize or who knows where i'll land on this although i don't know i'm a pretty cheap lay for dc stuff so i think our (laughs) listeners know (laughs) well man we're gonna be walking the listeners yourself and myself through the past, present, and future of all of these announcements as James Gunn and Peter Safran have laid out. But because there is so much revealed today, so much to digest, we could not do this alone, just you and I, Carlos. We had to invite a friend onto the podcast and like to welcome Josh Lagern from the Super Secret HQ podcast. He's bringing all that DC knowledge. Josh, what's up? How's it going? And how are you feeling about these announcements? Oh, man, I'm on cloud 15. I'm on cloud 20. It's an amazing day um, for DC fans, and I can't wait to discuss uh, more with you guys. Yeah, it's going to be awesome. But Josh, let's let's lay down some of your credentials. Podcast host, you have been very, very much embedded in all the Twitter discussions we've had over the years, your buddies yes. with the Vigilante Boys. And so yeah. let the, let's let, introduce yourself here to our listeners. Let them know what, what you're bringing to the table here tonight. Sure. Well, I am a, I was a, gosh, now like 25 year veteran of posting on the Batman on film message board um, back in the day um, when I was like 13 years old. Um, I uh, host a show now called um, Super Secret HQ, uh, which is relaunching soon. It's going to be a more regular thing moving forward, which I'm really excited about. Um, We're going to announce a co-host. We're going to jump on really soon because we want to discuss this stuff as well on our show. Um, so keep an eye out for that. Um, yeah, and uh, obviously connected with um, with all y'all, um, all our all our mutuals on on Twitter, discussing this stuff day in and day out. Um, you can catch my Twitter feed at Super Secret Josh, um, and I you know drop lots of hot takes on there um, <laughs> about things that I'm seeing. And sometimes they get me in trouble and sometimes they don't. So, yeah. Yeah, but you got good hot takes, which is why uh, why we brought you on today. Because it's like, <laughs> I, I can hold my own on the DC front, but it's just like, yeah, I just, I like the vibe of our buddy Josh Lagern. So 
It's like, you know what? Oh, this is thanks, a guys. special occasion, so we'll bring in a special guest and and off we go. I'm so honored to be here. So well, yeah. we're we're pleased to have you here in the nerd room and and what a topic we got to cover this week, guys. It it's an important day. We've been counting down literally since January 1st, as James Gunn kind of put out there, that they would be revealing the DC slate or a partial piece of it, at least giving us a view into what the new DCU, the DC Cinematic Universe, whatever you want to call it, is going to look like. And we've been basically on pins and needles for at least the last two weeks here because he never gave us an exact date. He said it's coming in January. And he, of course, left it to the very last day of January here. And you know what? We talked about this last week. It's okay if you if you missed that deadline, but he didn't, and he delivered. And he came out with basically laying out what the past, and when I say past, I don't mean everything that we've talked about previously over the last seven years here podcasting. I mean what the now or the then was and what the now is going to be. And that's how we're going to kind of go walk through this, because he did lay out a series of, of announcements that addressed the four final movies or potentially four final movies of the DCEU. So what came before, what was connected to the quote unquote Snyderverse, what was connected to what DC was building, even in the interim in between Zack Snyder's Justice League and what will be the eventual Aquaman to the last final release under the old guard of DC film. And with Peter Safford and James Gunn stepping into this, they've decided to, to kind of park some of that, continue with some of it, but really put their own stamp, footprint, whatever, onto the DC with huge announcements today. You know, there's 10 plus projects announced. There was a sweeping statements made about connectivity and how the narrative is going to spin from both TV to film to animation to games, which is new. And just how the universe is going to really roll out with the focus on some of the big pillars, but also some of the other smaller parts of the DC universe that James Gunn has really made a name and a brand building at both DC and Marvel. So let's, let's, let's just jump straight into this breakdown. It's going to be a lot of information and us three here are, are really still digesting a lot of this too. And it's going to take a couple of weeks to fully appreciate the magnitude and the volume of content that was dropped on us here but let's talk about some of the past some of the previous stuff that is bled into 2023 that was bolted onto the side of this much larger forward-looking announcement so guys this year 2023 we've got coming up here in the not too distant future we of course got shazam we've got flash let's talk about these two first these two films and how james gunn contextualized them he basically said that shazam and Flash, from my opinion here, are the end of the old guard, the end of the old film franchise, with Flash specifically being the turning point, which resets everything. And then into the present, which is Blue Beetle and Aquaman, which was a little less clear as to how they're going to fit into things, with Blue Beetle being more specifically aligned with James Gunn's DCU and potentially Aquaman here too. So Josh, what was your kind of takeaway from... The little look back that James Gunn did here, kind of resetting the stage and expectations for 2023. What what was your takeaway there from from Gunn? Yeah, the the takeaway that uh, that I got from it was that he is this is not a this is not necessarily let's put it that way not necessarily the hard reboot that we had been anticipating since um, it was announced that Henry Cavill wasn't going to be returning as Superman. 
um, it does seem he went out of his way in the announcement to say that um, Jaime Reyes, uh, it, it, as part of Blue Beetle, um, is a teen hero in the DCU. He said that specifically. Um, and then he said, um, uh, and then he talks about Aquaman 2 um, in the same breath. Um, so I think it's really interesting that he said that because that's been a question mark for all of us. Are they going to include it or are they not? Um, there was also another article talking um, to Peter Safran um, where he said, look, there's no reason these characters can't return um, mm. to, the, to these roles. Like we, this is a, it's, it's a sort of a reset. Um, and it's interesting that um, he marks the flash as a moment of reset um, mm. saying that the flash resets the entire DCU. This is, Part of the conversation that we were having on, I think it was the Vigilante um, a few months ago, that they may use that as a as a turning point. And now there are rumors this week that they're going to be um, potentially shooting a new end scene for that film, uh, which is very interesting to me. So, yeah, I think, um, look, as far as these last four films go, um, the it it the possibilities are endless um and you know we we could see these characters back um in a, the new dcu um something to note as well that i think is really important on that is that waller with viola davis was announced as part of the new chapter one gods and monsters mm-hmm. um with viola davis returning so right there right there there's there's a confirmed character returning with the with the original actor from the DCEU coming into the DCU. So um, as far as the past goes, those those films, um, I'm really interested to see what happens there. Yeah, it seems like they're not doing a complete swiping and ignoring of what came before. Mm-hmm. There's going to be some mm-hmm. integration of it. And either Saffron or Gunn said, that they're going to be using some of the same actors from the past and they're going to be not using other actors from the past. Um, But everything moving forward is going to be connected and consistent. And so Mm -hmm. I think Gunn, from my interpretation, Gunn said Flash Forward is the DCU with the first major projects underneath their shepherding is going Mm -hmm. to be the, the, what do you call it? The Commando Dudes and then waller and then into of course the first big screen adaptation of, of superman so carlos talk to me a little bit about the the kind of breakaway here from what came wiping the slate clean but also pulling across things like peacemaker like viola davis's amanda waller is that good do you think that they need to wipe the slate clean or is it do you find that it's gonna probably benefit to pluck some of the better parts out of the the past if you will I do think some thought went into it because the option to switch the Flash and Aquaman mm-hmm. it was still on the table, right? So um, up until today. And so I, I was half expecting that if I always felt that the Flash was going to be that tangible pivot point for the uh, internal audience as well as the general audience for where it's like, there's something new and different on the other side of this movie. And when you watch it, it explains how and why. So I, I had just assumed that they were going to put Aquaman in that summer date. Flash mm-hmm. is going to end the year. And then whatever you get after that is going to be um, the new universe. But 
I, I don't know. Like, I do appreciate that they know that they have pieces that work and that, like, really, the the sour taste for DC that people have, it you can draw pretty straight lines to where where that comes from. So if they can remove those pieces but mm-hmm. keep the things that people like, like, I think Shazam is going to be a way bigger movie than people are anticipating because it's been playing on streamers for years and it's kid friendly and um, very accessible. Right. So I I think that they were smart to keep Zachary Levi in play and you know, you, you've built some stuff and you don't have to start from scratch again with that franchise. Mm -hmm. And the flash James Gunn called it today, one of the best superhero movies he's ever seen. So if that is, that movie is that good and it gives you some pieces to play with moving forward where you can retcon out uh, within your narrative things that you don't like, then, yeah, sure, why not? And, you know, let's face facts. Everybody loves Gal. Everybody loves Margot Robbie. And the Peacemaker is a force onto itself. So why would you get rid of those things just Mm -hmm. because people want a clean break and stuff? Like I've, God, I think I said on the very first, podcast i was ever on with you like character over continuity so you know if there's little pieces that don't fit here and there who cares who cares if you're telling a great story and you have more and more people getting invested with every project that you do why not and and i think it'll get tighter going forward um I do like that they're, they seem to have established a character Bible that they refuse to deviate from or let anybody else deviate from. And uh, Gunn and Saffron also specifically talked about the old regime handing out the license willy-nilly and um, thinking that that was a bad idea, right? So um, while I think it's great that we got projects like Joker and that we will continue to do so, I also think it's even more of an asset to the DC brand that we won't see things like this Gotham Knights TV show coming out mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. shows like, yeah. So like the CW's pumped out in the past. So yeah, I think it's, I think it's good. Um, and you know what? Like if you did do a Scorcher three uh, rewrite, I almost wonder if people wouldn't just use it as a reason to just ignore the whole thing mm-hmm. with, a clean break from things. <laughs> yeah, which is like, so many competing things for people's time, right? Like there's, because yeah. even outside of DC and Marvel, there's just so many other mm-hmm. offerings out there that it's like, ah, I don't want to get into something new. I'll, I'll just leave it alone. This will be my jumping off point. So and that, that's very much something that could ha- could have happened there. And uh, mm-hmm. it, it's one thing that I, I want to put out there before we get back to you there, Josh, is that the the one thing that Gunn and Saffron seem to be leveraging, and this again was specifically in one of the quotes, was that the universe that we're walking into, the DCU, is a world where superheroes already exist and mm-hmm. have existed for some time in one form or another. And so that's the universe that we're walking into. And so the Scorched Earth Rebirth is basically going back and retelling all these origin stories and retelling all this. I think that they've gotten to a point where like the foundation we're going to lay down is going to be in this lived-in universe, like in a Star Wars New Hope universe where a whole bunch of stuff has existed and a whole bunch of stuff has happened. And we don't necessarily Mm -hmm. need to talk about all that, but we can go back and do a prequel like they're doing with the Themyscira storytelling and explain a little bit of that, right? And so 
I think it opens them up to being able to jump around the universe a bit more freely and give creatives the ability to tell stories off in little corners. And, and like you said, Carlos, leverage that creativity over continuity. If someone wants to come in and tell this story, potentially with a character that's already existed, then that's okay. We can do that. We can leverage that. And so they're opening up that, that creativity box while also keeping themselves inside of a framework, which is something that maybe DC hasn't had in the past. Another thing that they really nailed down here was that it is going to be a multiverse, but they're focusing on the single stream for now. It is about building out the continuity of the DCU. And more importantly, it's all about the future and where we are going with this universe. And it was a pretty wild slate. You know, there's expectations put into this. You know, whether those met expectations, I can't really comment for from a whole, but from my perspective, I think it really landed here. You know, announcing that we are indeed going by chapters. We have a theme to the first chapter in Gods and Monsters, and that there's actually 10 properties that is the beginning of chapter one, which is a substantial slate of five movies, five HBO series. It looks like they're going to be coming out in swaths of four, so two HBO Max series and two films per year is kind of the framework that they set up for, for release schedule and and how the story is going to kind of unfold across the different mediums. They're also going to be building an animation um, into that and as well as gaming. And so they're setting themselves up for quite an expansive universe and something that can really move fast. Unbelievable foundation, I think they've set by acknowledging the legacy of the past, moving forward through the present and then looking forward to the future. And that's what we're going to do right now here, guys. Let's talk about these first couple announcements here. And I think we really have to kick off with not in order of release, but really one of what's going to be the pinnacle and the return to the big screen um, and the first big outing for the DCU, which is going to be in the form of Superman, something that has been on the tip of the tongue for the majority of 2022 with regards to DC. And they've established a foregoing direction for Superman in the form of Superman legacy, even giving it a release date, July 11th, 2025, but Carlos, talk to me a little bit about Superman here. And then we got to, of course, bring Josh's opinion back up to the table and talk about Superman. Because this is a pillar character. This is an important character to land. And James Gunn's writing this one as well. Oh, man. Like, announcement and its release date and all that aside, the fact that the fundamental core of the movie is that the story is about a guy who values kindness above all in a world that mm -hmm. kindness is out of fashion and where kindness might not work and that is that's perfect for me like that's how you challenge your superman that's how you make him compelling that's how you make him aspirational so mm -hmm. yeah like with that being worked into the um into the statements and the declarations as to where they're heading with this um with this film out the gate and with that being the focus like i am all in like yeah. the the cavil version of superman did some great things but it was always 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 missing that like yeah. there was those similarities with the balancing the kryptonian heritage and being raised on earth um in both the man of steel story and this one but that one never ever focused on a guy who valued kindness above all right mm -hmm. like ever and so with that which is truly the most important part about superman the, the like i've said before the compelling thing about superman is subconsciously we all want the most powerful 
uh, and influential people on the planet to also be the kindest and the most altruistic and the ones who are the most sac- self-sacrificial. But you never get that ever in the real world, which is why he's a comic book character. Yeah. Um, so I, I really strongly feel that that is why this Superman will work. Like, I don't care about the casting. I do. I don't care about the costume. I do. But I care about how he's characterized. And that in the statement today was nailed. So if you've given me your your mission statement as to what your Superman's all about, sign me up. I've I've bought the first ticket right now. Yeah. Yeah. What about you, Josh? This, this is an important character, like I said, to, to land here. And I think Carlos really summed it up perfectly in in what they have to do but from your opinion where, where do they have to bring to the table here what does james gunn specifically have to bring to the table here for this superman to land in this universe being the first big feature film of the dcu i think the main thing it has to do is establish superman as a force for good in the world mm-hmm. um and and be unashamed of that i think the last what we've seen the last few times is people trying to do their take quote unquote on Superman and and in a way I'm so glad that you know as much as we like make fun of the CW shows I I'm glad that Superman and Lois um was able to do what it did because in a sense it it established what I think makes Superman so such a great character and that is just being a, un- a a universal force of good in the world, right? Being being somebody that that um, that you can count on, you know. Being somebody that when you think of it, it within the u- context of the universe of, of the DCU, somebody that you're you're more comfortable knowing exists in the world, right? Like, oh, we can all sleep safe at night. Superman's out there, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, that's not generally the feeling that we got from the last interpretation of Superman. It was the take on superman and um what i'm what i'm really happy is about is within the context of the mainstream dcu we're not going to get quote takes on the character per se we're going to get accurate representations of the character done by filmmakers in a with a unique creative voice and i think Mm -hmm. like that's what we need um and and that's what superman needs to be successful um i hope james gunn directs as well just gonna drop that in there. <laughs> yeah, that would be def- definitely interesting. I don't. I, I personally don't. I'd be. I don't know what kind of Superman film he could deliver. We talked about James Gunn a while ago on the podcast here about you know he has not stepped outside of of kind of that ensemble, a little bit quirky mm-hmm. world where this this needs to be a little different tone from what James Gunn's delivered in the past. And so it's it's quite a challenge. And for He's put a lot. He's putting his whole thing on the line here, right? Because yeah, being the co CEO and then also directing arguably what's probably one of the more important film, or at least writing and then potentially directing what's arguably one of the most important films of the DCU in the first feature film. It's it's there's a lot riding on his shoulders here, and so for him to not delegate some of that down is definitely an interesting choice. But in James Gunn, I have the immense amount of confidence. And the other piece of this, while we have. Of course, the goddamn Batman here. We're going to talk about the brave and the bold because like Superman, Batman is always going to be an important piece of 
DC and having him inside of a connected universe. Now we have this Elseworlds stuff that we'll potentially get to where Matt Reeves and Robert Pattinson, all that is going to be continuing along in a parallel but not connected universe. And so that's something we have to distinguish. But also we're going to be getting into an older Batman that has a son and focusing on a Damian Wayne Robin. So a different take, but like Superman pulling from source material, not mm-hmm. trying to spin out something new or different or put into these characters have been in, in discussion in, in stories for what, 80 years, some of these guys. And so like, there's a lot of, that litmus test for what works and what potentially doesn't. There's a lot of stories that need to be or should be translated. And, and James Gunn and Peter Safran are doing that with both of these characters. But Carlos, as a goddamn Batman, you're going to have, a, what, by the time we get to 25, like four or five Batman you've seen on film. <laughs> yeah, that's actually wild when you actually put it out like that. That Yeah, yeah by the end of next year, we'll have two, and then we'll have two more by 25 that yeah. uh, will cross our eyes. But... Yeah, I uh, it took me a minute to wrap my head around this one. And there's been uh, this project has actually had the most um, it, it's the one that's had the most divisive reception that I've seen. Mm-hmm. Uh, people seem to be on board, but with everything, it seems to be a, a big, uh, big warm embrace. And with this one, there's a few people that are questioning the decision to make Damien the Robin at the forefront and uh, to build out from there. But um, yeah, once I had a chance to kind of digest everything, I feel that this is the smartest play. Cause like you said, we're getting that Elseworlds label um, and, and we'll talk about it in, that in a, in a bit, but I think this is the best way to differentiate your in-universe Batman mm-hmm. from your Matt Reeves Batman is to have him, always tied to Robin and that the dynamic duo is almost more of uh, what you're focused on. And with Damien, like the, the bat family has a lot of love. Like there's a multi-million dollar video game that's out right now, just based on them. And Bruce is um, just this plot device kind of thing. But um, I think Damien's a smart play because in live action with his backstory, Damien is, the most concise way to bring a Robin to the screen. It's the only way that you can have Batman with a young Robin in a digestible manner in a 2023 environment, because it's like, yeah, it's Batman's son. When he Mm -hmm. slept with Talia, he didn't know about this kid, but he was raised as a ninja. So you have this ninja kid and it's kind of all built in. It's ready to go. And you can have like this, 10 12 14 year old kid running around fighting crime and at night and people aren't it's going to pass the the sniff test a lot easier than Mm -hmm. i adopted this circus kid i took in this kid that was stealing tires from the batmobile because like that works on the comic book page but um with with damien you have it it's baked into the cake so i think that's awesome Mm -hmm. and that also automatically gives you a green light to introduce nightwing into the story and yes. if you want, you can do Red Hood um, and whatnot. But with just those three, you have arguably the three most beloved characters in the Bath family. And then Barbara is the easiest to work in because she's kind of from the outside and you're not dependent on the ages of your Bruce and your Dick Grayson and your Damian Wayne. Because like those, those three have to have a, a bit of... Uh, 
a relationship age wise, whereas Barbara can kind of come in from the outside. So yeah, I think Damien is just the smart play and it really allows you to get to a place where you can have Nightwing. Cause like, yeah, it would be cool to see him go through all the Robins, but you're going to have real people aging in real time. So decades of stories there to get to like, let's be honest, like to, to blast through all of that, like you're you're gonna you're gonna be well into it, and like I love what you said there, and I hadn't really even thought this through, but you get to the Bat Family, which is something that's highlighted there very quickly by going this route, by like I said at the top, like moving into this not so so shiny, not brand new, but lived in universe. You can move those pieces, and it doesn't tell, it doesn't say that you can't tell those backstories somewhere or have those backstories influence future stories, but you're kind of moving forward very quickly and getting into this lived in universe, which I think is brilliant. And when you contextualize Damien in that sense, like it really works for me. How about you, Josh? Yeah, no, I, I think that this is the smartest approach. Um, I've always thought that uh, in order to make Batman work, you're going to have to do something differently from the tone of the Batman. Um, I have behind me two posters, one of Batman 89 Batman 89 and Batman 66. And, um, you know, uh, what I loved about Grant Morrison's run is it took some of those like elements from the 60s series, uh, the sort of swashbuckling kind of like um, superheroing of Batman and kind of brought it back to the forefront after two decades of being super dark and gritty. Mm -hmm. And so we're going to get the super dark and gritty in the Batman with what Matt Reeves is doing. This is a great opportunity to get into more of the superhero swashbuckling. I don't necessarily think we're going to see 60s camp, but we're going to see a more like fun version of Batman. Um, and obviously, like, I'm very excited to see whatever J whatever James Gunn's influence on this project is, whether it's just as a producer or whatever. I'm really excited to see his interpretation of Damien. Mm -hmm. And so um, that that's going to be a lot of fun. And I agree with you guys. I think a lot of the bringing, doing it this way, having an established bat family is so smart because it gives you a lot of different opportunities and venues for storytelling. Yeah. Um, I mean, a trilogy they, to get there. You know what I mean? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. exactly. They just, <laughs> well, they just canceled Titans on HBO max. Mm -hmm. And it's like, man, we could, in a few years, get a Titans movie down the road, you know, mm -hmm. um, because Nightwing exists. So it's like, it's really, it's going to be really cool. And I have no doubt that in the future with, with, you know, if they do a Nightwing down the road, we will get flashbacks of Batman and Robin with yeah. Dick Grayson as Robin, you know, and, and, and see that in motion. But um, I, I'm really excited to see this established version and excited to see uh, uh, Damien there along with, along with uh bruce so it's going to be exciting yeah so you got your two pillar films or your two pill two pillar characters and there's a few other characters that are probably in the mix here and you know maybe we'll, we'll touch on on potentially wonder woman to get your trinity but let's let's move off to a little different part of the universe that that james gonna peter saffron because it didn't start out by just throwing the biggest characters at us they also have mixed in i think this is where we're particularly james gunn has had some influence on how the story is going to be laid out is in the smaller, less focused on parts of the DC universe. And so we have got 
two two things two hbo one's a series i don't know if it's on hbo max one's an animated series sorry and one's an hbo max series and that's creature commandos which looks like it's actually gonna pull from some of the suicide squad characters Mm -hmm. um, and have some legacy built in that in animation and then waller which is again like we said picking up with viola davis and her character that's been strung through the dcu and then in of course into peacemaker and it's gonna be of a piece with peacemaker in the sense it's going to be set between season one and season two inadvertently or maybe on purpose confirming that peacemaker of course is going to be in the dcu <laughs> um it was good they never showed superman's face there at the end of it but <laughs> but let's let's josh talk to me about these two series and kind of the ensemble influence and the kind of the quirky nature of james gunn that we're going to see probably presented in at least one of these for sure the creator commandos he said he's already written seven episodes it's in pre-production and then and waller kind of building on the legacy that we talked about before but also being an hbo max series yeah sure i mean i am really intrigued by creature commandos it's got frankenstein in it um Mm. There was a great New 52 series uh, featuring Frankenstein. Um, I forgot exactly what it was called, but... Seven Soldiers. I love... Was Seven Soldiers or Agents of Shade? It was one of those two. Agents... It was Agents of Shade. That's what it was. And um, yeah, I'm really excited to see that character um, in there and see that those quirky elements. Um, Weasel's going to be making an appearance in that show, which will be fun. Um, And I love what he said about how you know, the live action versions of the character will feed into the animated and, and vice versa. So mm-hmm. when we when we start hearing the cast of this, um, those those actors are going to be portraying them in live action as well. So um, another character I'm really intrigued by in Creature Commandos is Rick Flagg Sr. I wonder yes. who's going to play him. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. Again, building on the legacy of the Suicide Squad, this seems to be his... Um, I don't, I don't know if you want to call it a, a sequel, but it's definitely he's got his own little universities constructing here with the Suicide Squad, which I'm assuming is going to have some uh, it's going to be probably pulled to the DCU as well. Um, he might be a little biased on that. And then, of course, like I could see Creature Commandos making an appearance in Peacemaker season two, potentially. Right. There's that mm-hmm. that there's I think enough connectivity there. And then Waller as well. Like there, there's like this own little sub universe, which is really cool. That is building out there. And like as I talk through this, I'm getting more and more excited for the interconnectivity between even that part of the universe, Peacemaker into Waller into Creature Commandos, and having like this little because Peacemaker was by far my favorite, at least TV show last year, um, in this space. Mm-hmm. And seeing mm-hmm. that expand out is, is really cool. Yeah, it was Peacemaker is the best, was the best comic book show so far of this like modern era, in my opinion. Um it's amazing how much better it was than the Marvel Studios shows, despite the fact that it's very clear that Peacemaker got a TV budget. <laughs> and those Marvel Studios shows got like a feature film budget and the Peacemaker was just far and away better. Um, and I'm excited to see, like like you said, Tim, just the interconnectivity between all of these different properties. There's so much room for crossover, so much room to see these characters pop up and uh, they've already confirmed in Waller that um, Team Peacemaker will be a featured part of yeah. the show. Yeah. So I'm assuming Team Peacemaker is the the team that we saw in Peacemaker Season 1 that worked with Peacemaker. I don't know if that includes John Cena himself, but it'll be very interesting to see. Yeah, yeah. That. 
Carlos, bringing in Waller here too to kind of add on to what Josh is talking about with Creature Commandos here and filling out this Peacemaker universe. Like that's a, it's again, like we said, it's it's they're bringing in pieces that work for them, and I think you know some of these pieces are connected, of course, to what James Gunn's worked on in DC. But ultimately, I think this is going to lead to something quite quite substantial inside of the DCU. Yeah, I'm excited. Like I, I when it was starting to seem like we were going to get a scorched earth reboot i was a little worried that we'd lose some of these pieces mm. because um man i i love the suicide squad and they've got so many great characters mm. and so much potential there and it all spins around academy award winner viola davis being amanda waller and it, it, she's such a force and such an interesting character and such an interesting presence on screen as an actress and to be able to build out from her i think is is pretty special so why would you waste that and so yeah waller being the next story at the gate is cool it'll be interesting to see um where they take things because she was kind of in a bad spot at the end of peacemaker season one right with mm -hmm. uh what argus was doing uh being laid to bear but um yeah, who knows? Maybe if they play with some of those pieces that they established in Black Adam, like it shows that she's a force and she's got all sorts of things locked up in the basement. So um, that'll factor into Creature Commandos. And like you and Josh were saying, like to see some, like even if you just get Frankenstein and the Bride of Frankenstein, like they'll be way cheaper to put the screen than Dr. Phosphorus. But that'd be mm. insane to see yeah. somebody like John Cena having to act or uh, interact with them and. That'd be hilarious. Like the, it, it'd be so funny him being like, what the hell is this? <laughs> yeah, it, it'll yeah. be great. And they've done <laughs> cool stuff with like the spy craft pieces and those types of characters in the comics. Like mm -hmm. I just finished rereading Tom King's Grayson and yeah, Frankenstein is one of the characters that they send to go capture agent 37, who was Dick Grayson. And it was, yeah, it was wonderful. So you, you can play with those pieces and it's, I was just so inspired, like seeing that they're playing with these kind of pieces in the DC universe. So, you, you, there is not a single person out there that was like that first first group of projects is going to include Frankenstein, <laughs> essentially the Agents of Shade. Like, well, like, and I, but as we talk it out here, it makes especially with James Gunn, it makes so much sense, right? He he's likely had a vision for both the Creature Commandos and Waller and Peacemaker from the suicide squad, right? He's constructed, he's almost like constructing his own little universe and now it nicely tucks into the DCU, the much bigger universe. And so I, I absolutely love that. But like Carlos, what about the ex expanding and potentially into the cosmos here? You know, we've got lanterns, which was also announced as an HBO max series, something that has been teased in some capacity for literal years, whether it's be on HBO max or feature film, this one's going to have kind of a, a true detective style feel to it with both Hal Jordan and Jon Stewart being the lead Green Lanterns in this. But this is a property that's had a rough go that yes. hopefully can can find itself in back in favor and, and telling a good story. Now, they're talking about a terrestrial-based story to start, which I don't, it's going to be interesting because they want it to connect to something and have some meaning, I think, for the DCU but they are traditionally more cosmic faring and kind of flung off. And maybe he's trying to provide some separation between that and guardians or whatever. I don't know, but lanterns, man, is, is this a property that fits 
Yeah, well, Green Lantern is a case study in how much damage putting one of these characters on the big screen and doing it poorly can have. Mm -hmm. Because Green Lantern was always popular in the in the fandom space. And for a while, there was one of the most beloved comic book series going like it was selling shoulder to shoulder with Batman and Spider-Man. And then that movie came out and everything tanked. Right. And we haven't been able to reclaim them since. So I think doing a character driven terrestrial base to use their terminology based story with Jon Stewart and Hal Jordan, like the two most popular Green Lanterns. It sounds like it's going to be a lot more stripped down and straightforward yes. than what they were looking at with uh, the Berlanti project. So I think that's smart. And if they're doing like an HBO true detective type story with these two, um, yeah, I, I think it's, I think it's a smart play. And with it being earth based, that's not a bad thing. Like, yeah. Do we want to all see the, big space opera green lantern core and all the different um strata of the of the spectrum of lanterns absolutely but timbo being somebody on the outside if i'm just like i'm gonna drop you in a movie and it's gonna be them going on a mission to go get larfreeze's stash it's gonna be nothing to you and you're gonna check out pretty quick right so i think you need to start kind of small and do something where people can fall in love with these characters and you need to be fiscally responsible with doing yeah. that, which is why it's going to be an HBO max show. And I think that's good. Like don't, don't try and bend your property to your budget, use your budget to bring out the best out of that property. So. Yeah, totally. And it's, it's, it's to your point there about making people care about these characters. Like if you go through all of these announcements, that seems to be a theme in here. It's about making people connect, engage, and care about the characters, and not necessarily about the spectacle mm -hmm. of it all, right? It doesn't have to be big, bombastic. It has to be about longevity, setting a foundation. And when you do something like this, like, although I would love to see a cosmic piece of the DCU, I'm sure that'll come in the Lanterns. I'm a big cosmic guy. I love that aspect of, of Marvel and I, I, that, that kind of exploration piece. I, I really do find intriguing but much to your point we got to care about these characters before you start introducing yellow red and all these different lanterns and you know what i mean like and then you're overwhelmed and you're like eh, i don't really care about this anymore because i don't really know who i like exactly um, and so it's it's a big piece of it and and speaking to kind of setting that foundation josh paradise lost it's another hbo max series that will be dropping and it is based around what they're calling a quote-unquote game of thrones type of story set in Themyscira Paradise Last, which is, of course, the home of the, the Amazons here, uh, the birthplace of Wonder Woman. Now, this seems to be a prequel from what I understand. So I don't know if this is meant to be set in continuity as far as timeline goes, if it's set in the same kind of era of events as what we're seeing in the rest of the DCU, um, or if I'm making that leap because it's more about the pre wonder woman time before she is born. And I think they're specific in saying that this will happen before or take place before Diana's birth. Is this a prequel? Do you think from, from what they're saying and does a prequel or, or establish a prequel inside of a forward moving narrative? Is that something they need to be doing at the start here? I think there's, it's a question mark at this point. Mm -hmm. um, I had a, uh, a theory about Gal Gadot and why she um, potentially 
might not be, um, why it hasn't explicitly been said that she's returning or not yet. And I tweeted about this today. By the time this new universe gets started, Gal will be 40 years old. And it's a 10-year plan. So Gal, and I'm not saying, so So I want to just put it put this out here. Gal, if, if Robert Downey Jr. can play Iron Man into his 50s, Gal Gadot can do it too. Like, she is going to be one of those people, and and I I think she is one of those actors that could, that that can do that, has the energy, the stamina, the you know whatever to do that. The question is, does she want to do that? Um, and so that'll be really interesting to see, and I think that's going to affect, um, that's going to affect her mm-hmm. the Themyscira mm-hmm. series and whether they're going to go for an all new cast with that or if they're going to go with um connie nielsen and robin wright which i would personally love if they did but you know i i'm on a similar page but i actually think it's going to set up for yara fleur to be your eventual wonder woman Mm -hmm. in the dcu in that this will probably set up the three tribes of the amazon so the themiscaran amazons then the bottom mcdowell that will take off and they'll go live uh, in man's world their way and then the uh, Equisita tribe, which will lead to Yara being able to be around. So you can have a movie where Wonder Woman is around and then you introduce Yara in your modern world and then off you go. And you could probably set set it up so that, yeah, Diana's there and she's around, but mm-hmm. you're just focusing on Yara Fleur. She's a great... Honestly, for my money, like out of the, the four operational wonders she's by far my favorite so carl so what was the reaction from your house in this you've got a, a lovely wife that is a wonder woman super fan how is she feeling mm. about this this announcement in particular yeah I, I think she like being such a big fan of the dcu version of wonder woman i like she's excited for the project but a little scared like josh was mm-hmm. saying where this project is positioned to kind of go either way we didn't talk about it much because she knows my affinity for Yara Fleur. And like I said earlier, this is a hell of a gateway for <laughs> the, the, for her to come to the forefront. And yeah, um, I, 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 yeah, I think it's a smart play and it buys them some time. And yeah. um, I think it's interesting the, the, the links that they're using, like the Green Lantern show is going to be like True Detective, an HBO show. The Wonder Woman show, the... Mm-hmm. Amazon, the Amazon show is going to be like Game of Thrones, an HBO show. So it's kind of cool. And it, it gives you a bit of faith right away because it's like, hey, the exact same studio that made those shows is going to be the one shepherding these ones forward. So um, you, you know that they have the ability off the hop. So that was kind of cool, actually, that they um, wrapped themselves up in that WB blanket, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's... Uh the WB and the HBO, like I was a bit shocked that they were getting the HBO max was kind of centered up and positioned to still be a major platform for storytelling for the DCU. Mm-hmm. As yeah. we had heard rumors of this thing kind of petering out or maybe becoming discovery plus in, in more holistic and moving and separating back out HBO or it's so, but it does seem that there's confidence moving forward in this streaming service being, a platform to tell stories, which is exciting because we're going to get booster gold, Carlos. Like 
Talk to me a bit about this. I have no idea who this character is. This is probably meant to be a bit more on the lighter side, as I think Safford explained him as a loser from the future who comes back. Um, so, like, what's the what's what is Booster Gold, and like, yeah, how is this going to be a a pivotal or could it be a pivotal TV show for the DCU? Yeah, Booster. He's kind of like that college football bro in the future that is trying to find a way for himself and ends up stealing a bunch of future tech. And he's got like, I think Gunn said he has like imposter syndrome, but superhero imposter syndrome. So he grabs a bunch of future tech and comes into the past to try and be a superhero. And um, yeah, because of uh, his his character, so to speak, um, we, we get to see all the trials and tribulations and Booster kind of learning to be a, a better person and all that kind of stuff. And He's got his little robot skeets that'll lend some comic relief and give you a bit of that Star Wars droid action. And yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting to see. Booster's not one of my favorite characters, um, so maybe Josh can speak to him a bit better. But I, I'm just excited to see a character like this getting a chance. And yeah. it, it, there, he has a massive fan base, so um, I, I'm glad they're taking a swing on a guy like Booster. Yeah. Pretty cool. Josh Booster, can you shed some light on here for me? Sure. Yeah. Well, you know, as, as much as I can, because he's, you know, I, I know a little bit about him. I don't know a, a ton about him like you guys, but Booster's, um, yeah, I mean, exactly as James Gunn described him, he's kind of like a hot shot, kind of feels like, you know, he's bigger than he is and uh, steals future tech, goes to, you know, comes to the present and I love the idea of it being a superhero story about imposter syndrome, because I feel like that's such a hot topic right now, Um, Mm -hmm. especially in the workplace. You know, we see it all the time on LinkedIn, like suffering from imposter syndrome. Um, And it's definitely something that like I've felt before. And so this is a perfect character to deal with that topic because he is, he's, he's, he is a loser <laughs> and and is posing as a superhero because he has all of this like future tech. So really interesting. I thought a really interesting thing about this project is they say they already have an actor in mind for the role. And I think he's a little bit too old, but a name that's been floating around. And I think like this type is good for the role is um, Chris Pratt. He's going to be um, I don't Superman. <laughs> Man, Pratt would be awesome. <laughs> but he, yeah, but he, I think Pratt's, Chris Pratt's probably a little too old for the role now, but mm-hmm. like that kind of actor is yeah. who you need for Booster Gold. You need a really ad libber. Like yeah, ad libber, <laughs> likable kind of person, but that's, you know, that can give off that like losery kind of vibe too. So, um, Basically, Star, I mean, Star-Lord's very similar kind of character, in my opinion. So yeah. <laughs> um, I, I thought that was that was very interesting. Something else that people some, some people brought up is that um, uh, Ted Cord isn't going to be in Blue Beetle. So it might be interesting to see if they pull Ted Cord into the Booster Gold mm-hmm. um, movie um, to be sort of the legacy version of Blue Beetle um, that that makes an appearance. And... I don't like Susan Sarandon is playing Ted Cord's wife. So I don't know. And there's no actor cast as Ted Cord. So I don't know how they're going to, if Ted Cord's supposed to be dead or whatever, but it would be interesting if 
Booster went further back in time and uh, brought Ted Cord into the present DCU. Um, that uh. that'd be really interesting to see. So, um, but yeah, that team up's pivotal. Uh, that that team up is um, is a pivotal partnership in in the DCU. So it'll be interesting to see how that moves forward and you know sets up some interesting future possibilities as well. Well, this this universe is definitely full of possibilities, and it's quite a diverse universe. Because one of the films here that will be dropping alongside of all this is Supergirl: Woman of Tomorrow. So again, it looks like it's being based off an existing comic book series, um, or at least pulling from source material um, and telling a slightly different story. And juxtaposing this against Superman, someone that's potentially you know similar power set, lived on Krypton, but doesn't have the same sort of connection maybe to humanity or maybe it's a bit more jaded than Superman. And so I kind of like this and this being a, a feature film, my, my youngest or my oldest, I should say was pretty excited that we're going to eventually have a Supergirl back on film here. Um, even though we got Sasha Kelly's Supergirl making an appearance here in the flash, you can see how they progress this um, moving forward. So Carlos Supergirl here, man, what, what, what's your take on this one? Well, yeah, like Supergirl woman of tomorrow. If you go back to our episode, I'm all, I'm almost positive like this might have been my number one recommend for the year because mm-hmm. um, I absolutely love this story. And and it's great, like it, the mindset that they're going into it with, which is very much something they played with um, in the book, is that, yeah, Supergirl is unequivocally every bit as much a hero as Superman is. But like... um Kara had a very different experience than Kal-El in that mm-hmm. she was a teenager and she lived on Krypton, watched it get destroyed, lived in Argo City with her family, and they thought they were going to survive. And then that didn't work out for them. So she's got a ton of trauma. And so her her perspective is a bit different, but she's still mm-hmm. altruistic and noble and good. and tries to live up to which is also something that affects her is she's like got to live up to um, the standard that Clark is set on earth type of thing so yeah this is a great story if they lean into it as hard as um, it it kind of felt like they are this might be where you get your cosmic story yeah because this story starts off with Supergirl traveling to the far reaches so that she's under a bit of I think it she's in a uh, red sun planet. So her powers are weakened because she wants to get drunk. And so that's where the story starts. And uh, awesome. (laughs) Off you go. So yeah, I'm, I'm hyped. If they use Sasha Kai. Great. Like, and they talked about Andy Muschietti being involved in a project already. Like they've got him locked down to something. So that this is what it is. Mm-hmm. that's cool like he went through quite the process to source yes. his supergirl so um why not use her if you've got a diamond so yeah plucking from the legacy is an important piece of it right and and establishing that that supergirl is going to be uh a, another pillar i would say inside of this when you look at the films that they'll be releasing you got batman and robin you've got supergirl you've got Superman and one of the other films, Josh, that's coming out is a big swing at the horror side of things with Swamp Thing. And so when James Gunn said things are going to be totally different and bring in new and different elements, I don't see how all of these are going to connect. 
in a a tangible way but that is almost what excites me is that i can't see the linkage here between swamp thing and lanterns or swamp thing and superman but there's something there because there is that that overarching promise that everything is going to be interconnected in some way or everything will exist in the same universe so swamp thing it's definitely the one i think that sticks out the most um outside of maybe the last one that we're going to talk about here is this a movie that should be in chapter one it does fit the monster side of the gods and monsters but uh it's it's a little different yes it is a little bit different and i think the way that you get people excited about this is by putting some a plus talent behind it and there are whispers and rumors that Guillermo del Toro is involved in mm, the DCU. Yeah. And when I heard that and I saw this announcement, my first thought was I would not be in the least shocked if Guillermo del Toro is directing or at least involved in some way um, in the Swamp Thing um, film because it's like he's a he's monster, monster guy. guy. It's his <laughs> sensibilities. Um, you know, I think you've got two really excellent eras of storytelling to pull from, from the Alan Moore years and the Scott Snyder, um, more recent series from the new 52. So there's a lot of excellent source material here and it's just a great story and it, and it creates what, what I really love about, about, uh, announcing Swamp Thing and a bunch of these other projects is there's just so much world building you can do with these projects. And yeah. and and Swamp Thing adds to that with the mythology of the green and the red and and you know everything else mm-hmm. like that is such a pivotal part of the of the DC universe. And so it'll be really cool like Poison Ivy's connected to the green. Alan Scott Green Lantern is connected to the green. Like is there going to be some, you know, like stuff there and then of course there's there were whispers today i say whispers they were tweets um that that keanu reeves john constantine might be coming to the dcu and might be involved in some way which hey i would like a more faithful version of john constantine in the mainline dcu but hey if, if james gunn wants to bring keanu over like that's really cool um i think that the... hey man he's canadian you know yeah. i know constantine is traditionally british we're in the commonwealth yeah. it's like it's it, the it, middle it, ground here. exactly middle exactly ground. and we have and there's the kianaissance going on right now and so like you know so <laughs> so i think I there there's a there's a huge area of opportunity both in developing sort of the mythological aspects of the dc universe with with the green and all of that and also expanding that dark corner of the dcu um and you know potentially getting a justice league dark together in the future so i'm really excited to see to see how that all pans out all right i'm really digging all that man i'm really digging what you're putting down there now the last film and this has been touted as a crossover film potentially and it is pulling from something that i have zero familiarity with authority now this is a Wildstorm, so it's a it's a comic imprint that DC bought. Am I am I correct there? And yeah, they're well, pulling these characters into the DCU. Is that how it's working? Well, yeah, like it, Wildstorm has been part of DC as long as Jim Lee's been part of DC. So like 
couple of decades, decades now, right? Yeah. That was that was his imprint under image. And so when oh, okay. he left image, he basically took his company with him. But um yeah, he didn't do Wildstorm. It was Warren Ellis and Brian Hitch, I think, was the okay. artist. But yeah, like it it's phenomenal. And I was pretty excited to see the authority be one of the projects that they're doing. And I don't have loads of familiarity with it. Um, certainly few characters more than others, but this is how you do your deconstructed justice league. And this is how you do your cynical heroes and your, Mm. um, kind of your grounded and tortured, uh, characters is with characters like the authority. You don't do that with the justice league because these guys are like built for it. So the thing with the authority is it's like, it's in the name. Like they decide what they feel is good for, uh, the planet to keep operating in an acceptable manner. And, um, they will take down governments or they will, and, and they consider themselves heroes and they are heroes. They're not like the boys where they're these kind of broken and kind of people with fascist <laughs> leanings and stuff like that. They are heroic, but they have this power that goes unchecked, right? So who gave you the permission to go topple mm. this Middle Eastern government or who told you that it was in the world's best interest to take this company down. So it's pretty exciting. And the makeup and the dynamics of the team allow for some really wonderful opportunities with representation across races and across like um, gender and sexually diverse groups with like the two main characters, Midnighter and Apollo being in a committed relationship that like to this day, like they were part of, uh, Superman's team that he took to War World, and like that was a major thrust of the entire story was that something happens to one of them, and the other one is just hell bound and determined to do whatever needs to be taken done to save his partner type of thing. So that's awesome. Like I, I think I think it's a pretty bold swing, and the Authority books are beloved. I know a lot of people that read them all the way through. I, I'm I'm usually a little bit more um, unicorns and rainbows. <laughs> with the stuff that I gravitate towards. So <laughs> I, I didn't, um, I didn't stick with it all the way through, but um, man, you talk about something that can challenge your audience. I think the authority is awesome. And it's one of those things that I think could speak to groups of people. And you, I don't know my, I'd love for people to start liking Midnighter more than like Batman. Like, why not? There it is, man. Well, I, I, I I've got a much better impression for what the future of the DCU is now after having this conversation. You guys did a great job filling in a lot of my blind spots here with, with all these. And, you know, that's the 10 properties split across both HBO max and, and film. And we can't forget, you know, before we wrap it up here, 
um, or as we wrap it up here, one of the things that James Gunn and Peter Safran were, were also very clear about is that there's going to be a distinct difference between the DCU and what they're calling the DC Elseworld stories told on film. And so the likes of Todd Phillips' Joker and Matt Reeves' Batman universe, which they did mention also includes the Penguin HBO Max series, will continue moving forward with their creative directions, with the creatives behind them. Um, but they will be distinctly different from the stories being told. And that is something that they said that they will make sure that up front, you know the difference between these two universes. So there's no confusion between whose Batman is this? Why is this Batman over here and not over here? Where's Robert Pattinson? And why does he have a kid? Oh, that's not Robert Pattinson anymore. So they're making that distinguishment, which I think is good that they're going to have kind of these, is similar to the comics, right? Where you can be telling different stories if there is a creative that has something particular they want to do and leaving that avenue open to explore different stories that maybe don't fit inside of the continuity. And so it's not closing off some of these characters is allowing more creatives to come in and, and potentially diversify an already very diverse slate. So Josh, I want you to talk to me as we kind of close out here. What's your, now that we've kind of talked through some of this, you've had a bit, a few moments to digest. What's kind of your final thoughts here on, on this announcement? I think my final thought is the, the future of DC has never been brighter. Um, there's a lot here. Uh, it was it was actually great to hear James Gunn sort of like set the record straight and be honest about his assessment of the previous mm. thing. I think the fact, I think yes. the fact <laughs> that we're having a Superman and a Supergirl movie is incredible because the plan before was to replace Superman with Supergirl. They're two completely different characters who who have different sensibilities and like. The idea, like, the the sense that I got from James Gunn was like, yeah, it'd be crazy to replace Superman with Supergirl because Supergirl's background is completely different and doesn't lend her to being the symbol of hope that Superman is, you know? Um, she's a more complicated kind of character because of what she's witnessed um, in her life. And so, you know, that just to use that as an example, like, things seem set right. Um, and that to me is very reassuring. I'm I'm really excited about all of it, um, and I'm looking forward to seeing what's next. I'm look, and, and and the coolest part of all of this is this is just a taste of what they have planned. They have more planned for the yeah. future. So I'm I'm very excited to see what the rest of you know. I I think he referred to it as part of chapter one. So there's even more um, of chapter one that we haven't even seen yeah. yet. So. I'm excited to hear about that and 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 to to see what they have up their sleeve moving forward. Yeah, it's it's all as you put it, uh, Carlos. What do you call it? Rainbows and unicorns in the in DCU <laughs> right now. So so as a man that that has been with DC since the onset, really, you've been reading comics for decades. You are you're one of the, if not the, ultimate Batman fan. You've seen DC go through waves. Of, of transitions and experiments and and let's let's be honest successes and some pretty major failures but here we are with a, a foundation a direction and and a, and a couple shepherds did this did this really land for you is this meeting your expectations for now um, albeit it's just titles and and a, and a path forward yeah well like kind of like I said when we did our, our token little piece of uh predicting i got the one thing that i really wanted and that i felt was important which was 
a banner for non-continuity projects. Mm-hmm. And I love that it's Elseworlds, which is it's such a great banner name as opposed to Black Label. Mm-hmm. Because, yeah, I love that it's, yeah, no, it's not Black Label. It's Elseworlds. And one of the things in there is Teen Titans Go. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so that's cool. But uh, quite frankly, I didn't get anything that I wanted. However, I got a whole bunch of things that I wasn't expecting and that I didn't predict, but they're all wonderful. Like I absolutely, the biggest thing for me is like, I've always said, like, I love these characters and I just want them to have a platform and exposure so that it opens up the entire world to see all the things that are great and wonderful and so compelling about these characters. And the thing that got me the most excited about Every single one of these announcements is the heart is in the right place. And mm-hmm. everything seems to be done with a with a love for the characters and the lore and with a tone and an intent in place. Like, it, the way this thing is curated, there's, aside from making sure that you have a Batman property and a Superman property, this first set of 10 projects, there's nothing here that says to me, these are the things that would get us the most money. And there's nothing here that says this will be the pieces that we need to put in place so that we can have our version of the Avengers or cash in with something like an end game. This is no, these are the things that will endear these characters from our stable to fall in love or for audience to fall in love with them. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that's awesome. Like, and I think the best example of that is the Brave and the Bold, where it's like there is nobody in the fan space that wanted you to go to Damian Wayne first, but it's story-wise and to bring in the wider audience to see why we all think Batman and Robin is super cool um, is to do it with Damian. So uh, there's those pieces. And um, yeah, man, I, I just... I just get this sense that the heart of what they're doing is in the right place. And that's why, that's why I think it'll work because you you just tell a good compelling story and people will show up. If, if you just do flashy things, like they've done that, they've spent a load of money on a load of things that made for great trailers and <laughs> your audience didn't care. <laughs> so yeah. yeah, I'm uh as a DC fan, man, I'm, crazy stoked and and i love that it totally subverted all my expectations and it didn't play to any of those things that we all gushed about and um you know we're hoping for on twitter they did the things that will serve the universe best in the long term so yeah and i think that's that's really what it comes down to is the long-term storytelling right you want almost the blind faith of fandom and a level of engagement that I, I think I can say this because James had made reference to this, that the MCU has where yeah. any movie comes out, there is an immense amount of hype, no matter who it is, Ant-Man all the way through to Avengers. There is a level of hype that comes and a level of GA engagement that comes with the Marvel brand on its own. That Marvel Studios thing goes up, people are engaged. That's what you want to build. And you need to have an endearing set of characters to do that. When I said last week we talked about what this needed to be, I said it just needed to land. It needed to set a foundation. And I really think it did that. Talking through this out loud has made me feel immensely more excited uh, because 
in the context of 10 things, like that's a lot to digest, but walking through the logic of some of these with you guys has, has actually got me pretty hyped. And I hope the listeners can take away that as well is that this is just like you said, Josh, this is just a snippet. This is just titles. There's, there's not even, there's not even cards or title cards or dates really associated with most of these. There's not a cast or anything like this. This is about getting where it's going to go and getting a feel for the, the tone and tempo of what this universe is going to be. And, and that really landed for me. So I'm, I'm very pleased with all this. And Josh, thank you for coming here and, and helping us break this down, man. Why don't you let everyone know where they can find you? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Super Secret Josh. Um, and yeah, look, be on the lookout. I'm going to be announcing um, the return of my show. We're going to be announcing a new co-host, which I'm really excited about and changing the format a little bit. We're going to kind of follow in the footsteps of the nerd room and and the vigilante 1939 and kind of turn go from being an evergreen topics show to being a more of a more of a chat show where occasionally we talk about evergreen stuff but um i'm i'm really excited about that and it's it's gonna be fun awesome thanks again for jumping on to the show here and uh if you want to be a bigger part of any of these conversations you can always email carlos and i at the nerd at gmail.com you can find everything we do over the nerdroom.net and YouTube, guys, go plug in there. We're going to be doing a toy stream live next week. Um, if everything works out with the news week kind of slowing down after this big monumental week, we're going to talk about some of the pickups over the last month or so, over the month of January, and uh, and looking forward into to what toys are evolving to for us, collecting is evolving forward to us in uh, in 2023. So look out for that. And if you want to get a hold of us, as uh, Josh mentioned, Twitter is, uh, is a place we tend to run around. So our handles are at the end of the episode. And so, again, from, uh, from us here in the Nerd Room, Josh, thanks a lot for, for jumping on here. And it's going to be fun to see and carry on these conversations as we get more information, as we digest more, as uh, we get uh, more and more announcements. They've just given us decades of, uh, of content discussed here in the Nerd Room. And so I'm excited about all that. So with all that being said, another big thank you to Josh for the Nerd Room. I'm Tim. And I'm Batman. And thank you guys so much for entering the Nerd Room. This has been a Nerd Room Podcast production. You can find our hosts Tim and Carlos on Twitter at the TheNerdRM and CDN Caped Crusade R. For more content from the Nerd Room, check out the nerdroom.net and the Nerd Room YouTube channel. Don't forget to subscribe to the Nerd Room on iTunes, Podbean, Spotify, wherever you plug in. Use the hashtag WeTheNerd to keep up with the latest from the Nerd Room.